Hi, welcome to another episode of Lessons I Learned in Law, the leading legal podcast brought to you by Harriet Brown in-house legal recruitment. I'm the host, Scott Brown, I'm managing director and founder at Harriet Brown, and we specialise in placing top-notch lawyers in-house across all sectors in commerce and industry and financial services. On the podcast, I'm joined by a top legal professional, someone at the top of their game, and I'm delighted this week to be joined by James Morgan, who is Managing Director and Co-General Counsel at MUFG. Hi, Scott. Hi, James. Thanks for joining me. MUFG, for those that you don't know, is Japan's largest bank and the fifth largest bank in the world. I'm really excited to hear more about that and your journey to that position as Co-General Counsel. We're here recording it in Beamery's office uh, again. This series has been very special in, in getting that. James is telling me that your office is blocked by this building. Yeah, but my, my view's blocked by this building, but um, it's really exciting to be here. I have to admit, as a member of a Japanese company and a lover of karaoke, it's really difficult having a big microphone in front of me and and resisting the temptation to sing, but well, um, I, I'm hoping that your listeners will appreciate maybe more of what I've got to say rather than what I've got to sing. Well, I'm not going to stop you. The invitation's yeah. there. What's your go-to on the karaoke? I, I'm very versatile. So really, you'd be you'd be really surprised. <laughs> Pop, rap, yeah, rock, anything. Excellent. I've been reading the the culture map, the book, and it goes into around Japanese culture and mm-hmm. karaoke and how it plays such an important role in business. So perhaps one of my early mistakes at MUFG was my first trip to Japan, where my boss in Japan said, what is it you'd like to do? And I said, well, I'd love to, love to do karaoke and heard so much about it. I didn't really realize how seriously it was taken. And when a, a sort of group started belting out in sort of operatic tones, some of the karaoke songs, and it, it got to me singing Mariah Carey, it was <laughs> perhaps a, a low point in my career or a high point, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, amazing. More on that later. But we'll jump into lesson one, if you could share that, please. Lesson one is very much about adaptability and embracing change. Mm. So one of the lessons that I learned very early on was that an environment which is always changing all the time. And I originally qualified at at Slaughter and May as a tax efficient finance lawyer. And that was pre-global financial crisis. And we had a number of of big clients, but some of those big clients when the financial crisis uh, occurred in back in 2007 2008 that that work dried up some of those clients themselves went into administration or insolvency proceedings and i very quickly started doing insolvency related work and restructuring related work when i moved in house it was to citigroup originally and it was for a derivatives position right and when i was interviewing for the role I had to Google what a derivative was. I had had no idea. And I was sort of leading a derivatives team at the bank. And that's sort of been part of my career. I think there's there's always been something new that's come along. And it's something that really excites me, I think, is when changes happen, just trying to see the opportunities there, trying to embrace that, trying to adapt. And I think that not only grows you as a lawyer, but it also protects you in poor economic cycles, I guess, as yeah, well. Yeah. 
where you know, after the last financial crisis, tax efficient financing, as I said, just dried up mm. o- overnight. Mm-hmm. And so I recognized quite early on in my career the need to change. Working in that environment during that time, 2008, what, what were the thoughts initially? It was really tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was very hard. I had a lot of colleagues in other law firms lose their jobs. They had become quite specialist quite early on and was sort of slower, I guess, to to sort of see what was coming and slower to, to adapt to that. I was at Slaughter's, as I mentioned at the time. One of the great things there was we had picked up a mandate of work to, to act for the UK government mm-hmm. through the various bank administrations. So Northern Rock, Bradford and Bingley, and then some of the Icelandic banks, and mm-hmm. obviously um, Lehman Brothers as, as well later on. That was an incredible learning experience. It was an incredible experience full stop. There was a lot of sleepless nights at the time, a lot of government officials coming in, a lot of weekend work. It was probably the thing that ultimately drove me into an in-house career, <laughs> but the experience was was fantastic. I mean, you, you sort of learn more in six weeks than you would in, mm. in six years. Yeah, yeah. And seeing it, seeing stuff like that play out is really, really interesting. And in terms of adaptability, is there anything outside of your career, I guess, that's made you adaptable or particularly adaptable? Because that's, that's quite a switch moving into a derivative role, not knowing much about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that has continued through my career. So when I was at City, that role switched very much into more of a regulatory role. Right. Um, when I started at MUFG, it was in a, as a regulatory lawyer, a regulatory capacity. And that sort of adapted um, to sort of running a couple of transaction teams and ultimately now sort of acting as as general counsel, co-general counsel for the region. So, yeah, I think a, th- a theme of my career has always been that that constant change. Mm. And personally, I thrive on it. Perhaps it's because I have a poor attention span. I don't know. Maybe as if I start reading something if i if i start reading books i'm halfway through and i'm desperate to get to get to the end or desperate to get to the next book same with movies same with lots of aspects of of my life so perhaps it's the fact that that constant change for me keeps things really interesting keeps things really fresh yeah. means that i'm learning all the time yeah. and i really enjoy that and do you go out seeking that change in those opportunities is it something you've sought out or have they played out yeah absolutely so i i think maybe this is a corollary lesson is is just sort of saying yes to stuff mm. so for example i i took a role for for 10 months at mufg in amsterdam it was just meant to be a, a few weeks trip when our then head of legal in in our amsterdam office left the bank for another role and they wanted me to sort of fill on an interim basis mm. so i say that interim turned into 10 months right. so I think a lot of people would step back and they may sort of think, okay, what does this mean? And what's going to be the impact on my future career? I've never really thought like that. I've just thought, okay, this is what I need to do. This is the opportunity that's come at this moment in time. Yeah, I've just said yes to that. And that's worked really well for me. How was Amsterdam? Yeah, fantastic. It was really over the period just immediately post-Brexit. Right. So MUFG had had an office in Amsterdam for about 60 years, but that office became much more prominent as, as our main European Union hub after the Brexit vote. So it was quite an exciting time to be 
on the continent to see the growth of the businesses there and to see the growth of the legal team there. So we'll move into, into lesson two. Lesson two, perhaps slight overlap, I guess, is don't be siloed. Remain quite generalist in your approach. I think there is an in-house career, in my view, is is not synonymous with a career in a private practice law firm. Mm. I think in private practice, the focus of your career and a lot of the skill set you develop is around building very deep subject matter expertise. Mm. In an in-house environment, you don't need that depth of subject matter expertise because you have law firms that you can utilize and other advisors that you can utilize when you need that Mm. depth. But what, what you need to do is be able to issue spot to advise the business, not just on legal aspects, but really act as a sort of counsel to them on strategic business matters, on you know, new products, new jurisdictions that, that we're sort of looking at. And that very much comes, I think, with the experience of doing as many different things as possible. Yeah. And what we do as sort of lawyers is not rocket science. There's lots of complexity to it, but actually everything derives from first principles of law. And being able to when you sort of experience a lot of different subject matters, be they litigation, be it a regulatory issue, be it a transactional issue, and in transactional issues, whether it's a, a loan product or a derivative product, there are a lot of commonalities from a legal perspective. The, the market practice may differ and lots of things may differ, but the more experience you get across them, mm. the more breadth you get, the easier it is comes to picking new things up and mm. I think that the more you recognize that actually there are lots of similarities and if you strip things back to to first principles that's where you can really add a lot of value to to the business yeah in your team MUFG do you, is that something you encourage people to move around in different parts of the the legal function yeah very much so so one of our big strategies for the legal department is around internal mobility and that has itself sort of that's very broad in its conceptually. So it includes mobility to other countries, to other offices. Right. See, being somewhere like MUFG, we've got presence in over 60 countries around the globe, about 30 different offices in this particular region. So getting the experience of different offices is something that we really encourage. And it's it's very different being in the London office, for example, which has two and a half to 3,000 people versus being in the Paris office, which has 120 people, 130 people. Being in a legal team in London, uh, sort of a legal team of 50 or 60 lawyers versus being in a legal team in Turkey of mm. two lawyers. Mm. So having that sort of different experience really helps our lawyers become more rounded. So that's one form of internal mobility. Another form of internal mobility is that cross-training into teams. So if you are a derivative specialist, then we encourage maybe 20% of your time, you also spend learning some loans work or doing some regulatory work and vice versa. Yeah. So just to kind of encourage that breadth, encourage that 
way of thinking and to train general counsels for the future, yeah, I think. Yeah. And then thirdly, for internal mobility, it's mobility outside of legal as well. It is very easy to be on a track and be a lawyer from the moment you graduate right the way through to the moment you retire. But actually, to be a really good advisor and a general counsel, it's good that you've had other experiences as, as well. So we would encourage people to go and spend some time with our businesses, whether that is on a three-day short secondment or whether that is on a three-month or a six-month secondment. Because I think if our lawyers understand what our stakeholders, what, what our businesses, what their sensitivities are, mm. what frustrates them maybe about dealing with the legal yeah. department, then ultimately it's going to mean that they can deliver a better service. That's nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, something that's often leveled at big banks from candidates that we speak to is that you do get siloed. So yeah. it's quite refreshing to hear that, that there's real sort of mobility and opportunities to, to move around. I think that's really attractive. It must be must be great in terms of retention as well and see people to see that there are those opportunities outside of potentially the scope of their current position so tell me more about the co-general council position <laughs> i'm interested to hear about how that came around and, and how, how it works yeah so my co-general council prabhat kumar um, and i had worked together for a number of years running the transactional teams right. at, at mufg in the legal department and when the then general council left the organization we were both identified as potential successors and we were both interviewing for his role as a, as a replacement and Prabhat and I sat down together and we talked it through and we just said well I think we can achieve more in mm. the two of us combine it's a big job there's a big geography yeah and probably one of us this was pre-pandemic as well one of us would be traveling a lot mm. around our offices so it's good to have somebody also there for the emergency oh, phone calls as well <laughs> and f frankly we also both had had personal lives we had families and um, young families and wanted to make sure that the job didn't consume us i guess and that we we got that balance right yeah. um, with our, with our personal lives so we pitched the idea to mufg MUFG, I think, reluctantly accepted right. initially. I think they felt it was a bit of an experiment. Right. And uh, four years on, I think we've shown that one plus one is three. We have been able to do more because of it. We both have different skill sets. We both have different ways of thinking about things. It doesn't mean that we don't argue. We do argue between us. Yeah. And often that results in a sort of third way of doing something that generally is of benefit to the company and benefit to the legal team and, yeah. and the people in it. So I think it's a it's a really positive cultural experiment really that's yeah. that's I, I think in our case succeeded. I think MUFG have bought into it now as well. We have two other co-head functions I both, ask, actually yeah, yeah so uh recently in in the last year the hr team has been established as a as a co-head um, function and we have one of our business lines um set up as a co-head function as right. well and i think that the secret is just you know we're not in competition with one another we're just talking all mm. the time and communication i guess is is yeah. key yeah yeah 
it must be a great case study in terms of how it, how it works. Has there been any interest from other general councils looking at it and thinking that I'd like to learn more about that or how does that work in practice? So, so not directly from general councils, but we've had quite a number of law firms hmm. who have really asked about it and uh, a couple of law firms have told us that other businesses, other banks have seen it work well at MUFG and they're looking to replicate some of the structures, which is great. Yeah, yeah. There's no kind of bigger compliment. I yeah, guess. absolutely. Yeah, it's very forward thinking. Excellent. And how was it moving from City to MUFG? Probably the biggest difference is maybe the Japanese cultural mm. difference. I mean, they're both enormous banks. City is in this region, this country, I guess, a, a more well-known brand mm. than MUFG, whereas MUFG is very much a, a Asia-driven bank, I guess. So understanding and appreciating those cultural differences, but also appreciating many of the similarities. I mean, yeah. big banks dealing with the same products, yeah. dealing with the same regulators in, in this region, many similarities as well. Like any big organization, there's bureaucracy, to which you know you have to learn to navigate yeah. but i think in terms of the japanese culture i love the respectful nature of it there is a big focus on maybe more consensus driven decision making rather than in the uk and and in the us in, in particular it's much more about a kind of top down mm. individual accountability and individual more directional style right. i guess yeah. Whereas at, at MUFG, I think there's a, a recognition they are the biggest bank in Japan, but they want to be a full service universal bank around the globe. Mm. And what works in Japan doesn't necessarily work and, and, and adapt to every market in, in which it's operating. So I think executives at MUFG recognize the need for adaptability and have been very open-minded. It's very um, motivating to be part of that because you really feel like one person can add enormous value because there's some low-hanging fruit and you can spot it and you can change it. Yeah. And that's not true in, in all organizations. So I've really enjoyed that. The furniture is nice. So my first interview, I came back home. My wife said, how was the interview? I said, I don't know how the interview went, but I really liked the furniture um, because it was all sort of Japanese style. So uh, minimalist. Minimalist. And as I said at the start, I love karaoke. So it's a, it's a nice match for me. Lesson three. Lesson three is be patient. I think there is a lot of pressure in society at the moment and for some time, I think, to to achieve and achieve things quickly. Mm. And we're more and more an insta-generation, I guess. Mm. But I think a legal career is a, is a bit like climbing a mountain. Sometimes you have to sidestep it. Sometimes you have to move down a little bit in order to move up. And sometimes you get helicopter moments when someone overhead comes down and, and swings down the ladder and, and moves you up the mountain much faster. I think rather than focusing on promotion and where you're going to be in 10 years time, just sort of be patient, build your skill set, say yes to things. You never know what opportunities will come along. Mm. I genuinely didn't think 
10 years ago that I was going to be in this position at this sort of stage of my career. I was lucky enough that I, for example, had the role in Amsterdam that I talked about, and that was a, a head of legal role. It allowed me the ability to demonstrate, I guess, my generalist skill set, yes. which then helped put me in the, the running when I was interviewing for, for my current role. But I didn't have that in mind mm. at the time. I just I just said yes to things yes, and yeah. was, was sort of w- willing to, to see the direction that life and, and my career took, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Do you always have that patience and understanding? Definitely not. Slaughter and May, what de- was your... De- def- definitely not. So when I left Citigroup, I left for a, for another organisation. I, I didn't s- stay there for very long, mm. partly because I think I left for the, the wrong motivations. Mm. I sort of left because I thought this would get me promotion faster. I thought I would get paid mm. faster. But actually, I found that I didn't enjoy the work as much. Right. It wasn't as broad. It wasn't, you know, I, I quite liked what I guess I, I call whack-a-mole. So the fact that there's issues springing up all the time and you're having to to deal with them and firefight them, that was exciting to me and energizing to me. I liked the fact that I could come in to work and not really know how my day was going to pan out. Mm. And I, I think I recognized that more through the mistakes of taking other roles and, and doing that for the wrong yeah. uh, reasons. So it's certainly not something that is sort of an intrinsic part of my my character. It's something that I've learned because I've recognized when I have slowed things down and not look to to shoot for the stars all the time, but but just do a good job, turn up, do a good job, say yes to things, take opportunities, broaden my own education, look to develop in different areas, then those opportunities have become more frequent. Yeah. Right. And it's it's helped my my long term career. Yeah. How do you communicate that to junior mid level <laughs> lawyers who are chipping at your ankles or looking looking for the next yeah. looking for the next thing? It's it's really difficult. I communicate in this sort of way. <laughs> so just talking about my own experiences, but also encouraging them if they if they want to try things, if they want to the, the fast progression mm. and put them in situations that will show them what that will be like yeah. and ensure that they recognize some of the difficulties and the areas in which they need to grow to do that effectively. Mm. I often say to my team, they go through the promotions process, I congratulate them if they've been promoted, but then tell them that life gets harder again because the expectations increase as you step up. So managing that, ensuring people recognize that, I, I think is is really important. Setting expectations. Yeah. yeah. It's um yeah, really valuable, really valuable lesson. I think that draws us to a close. Thank you for joining me and, and sharing those sharing those lessons. It's great to hear and, and yeah, really great to hear about the co general council position because it's quite a unique role. Well thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. To hear more of the episodes and guests from past series head over to harrietbrown.com forward slash podcast or download from wherever you get your podcast until next time i'm scott brown thank you 